one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Good morning and welcome on in to Beyond the Game. I'm Zach Barletta and I want to thank you for joining us on this Saturday morning. Here in Rochester, New York, we've got lots of rain in the forecast, but we hope that wherever you are listening, you are having an enjoyable day. You know, I I shouldn't really complain about the rain because it's actually some of the mildest weather we've had uh, in a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we had a ridiculous windstorm that left over 100,000 people without power. Then last week, it snowed for something like 36 hours straight. And now we're right in the middle of a predicted five straight days of rain. But on the plus side, it is above freezing and I don't have to shovel rain, so I guess it could always be worse. Anyway, as you've probably guessed... Benson is away this week, so I'll be your host today. And joining me for this hour via our studio line is my brother, Spencer, coming to you live all the way from Roanoke, Virginia. Spencer, how are you, and is your weather any better than ours? Hey, Zach, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me as part of the show again. And uh, as much as I would love to say something nice and sympathize with you, it's just so much better here. Uh, we've, We've had relatively warm weather a little bit brisk for here in the last couple of days, but we were looking at sunshine today, maybe a touch of rain in the next little bit, but certainly nothing uh, nothing like being buried in snow in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'd be intrigued to see how that would fly here because they cancel school if they think it might snow a little bit, So, but we're yeah. doing okay. <laughs> I'd love to see that too. What are your temperatures like down there? We were 60s today, I think. Um, we've had some some pretty good fluctuation up and down from like 60s during the day. We're going to hit the 70s this week and then down as far as like the 30s, 20s, 30s at night once or twice. But we're hovering somewhere in the 50s and 60s this week, I think. I think I can join with the rest of Rochester in saying that we all hate you just a little bit. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. All right, well, I've uh, to start the show, I've got a rundown of some stories from the world of sports this past week that I want to get your opinions on. Three football, three baseball. So let's kick our show off today with a topic that I know is near and dear to the hearts of all of our listeners, the Canadian Football League. Uh, that's obviously a joke. In fact, I, I only can name one CFL team, although now it's actually two, um, because a new story was released this week announcing that the CFL's Hamilton Tiger Cats have added some well-known quarterbacks to their exclusive negotiation list. Hamilton now owns the exclusive CFL rights to Robert Griffin III, Colin Kaepernick, and Johnny Manziel. The chances of any of these free agent quarterbacks playing in Canada seem slim uh, at the best, although honestly for some of these guys it might be their best chance to, to actually be a starter for a team and rebuild some value. Spence, can you see any of these guys playing in Canada or in the NFL this season? I'm having trouble picturing uh, specifically any of these making it into the Canadian Football League. In my opinion, if anybody makes it in there, it's going to be RG3. Uh, I think Colin Kaepernick has shown enough talent in the past that someone will take a, a chance on that, despite some of the flack that he's taken for uh, for the National Anthem protests and so on. He's shown enough talent, someone will, will take that chance. Or if somebody gets hurt, your uh, McCowns get hurt, 
someone might be looking for a Colin Kaepernick. Johnny Manziel, if he if he's out of the NFL, it's going to be just because he's banned. Uh, someone will take a chance on him, and we've seen the Saints have already started being interested in him again. That was weird. It seems weird. I can't imagine a Johnny Manziel follow-up to Drew Brees. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are mostly down on RG3 from what I understand. So that would be my, my shot for the CFL. Real quick, can you name a CFL team? <laughs> uh, you degraded yourself for being able to name one. I can't name a single one. <laughs> the only one Actually. I knew of previously was the Toronto Argonauts. I think it's because they win all the time. <laughs> yeah, not a clue, to yeah. be honest. Anyways, while we're talking football, the NFL proved yet again this week that they just can't get out of their own way. It had been rumored for the last couple of weeks that the league was considering relaxing their rules about player celebrations. But instead, NFL Executive VP of Football Operations Troy Vincent tweeted out that the league is, quote, creating an educational training video for players to show clear examples of appropriate and inappropriate celebrations, end quote. And this just feels like a classic move by the Roger Goodell NFL. They had a chance to score some goodwill with fans and players by relaxing or removing some stupid, unnecessary rules about what kind of celebrations are allowed and not allowed. And instead, they're making this educational video as if NFL players are like little school kids, you know, instead of grown men, elite athletes who put their health on the line on every play. I'm sorry, but when somebody like that is successful... You know, when somebody's absorbed a big hit or something and scored a touchdown, they should be able to spontaneously celebrate however they want. Because I promise you, Spencer, in the moment when Des Bryant or Julio Jones or whoever has just scored a big touchdown, they're not going to be thinking back to this training video to make sure that they're celebrating appropriately. So the NFL has got to be ready to start finding its superstars because nobody is going to score a touchdown and then before they celebrate start to think all right in that video what was allowed and what was disallowed they're just going to do it um do you see this being a problem or do you think that this is something that's going to help the players i don't think it's going to be a problem what what i think it's going to be is laughable uh (laughs) you're you're right i don't i don't think we're going to see any changes i distinctly remember a sports show I was watching one time, maybe ESPN, and it was a former NFL player that was being interviewed and made a point of saying, oh yeah, I had multiple bank accounts, one for fines and one for fill in the blank, and you're just not going to see it stop. I mean, you've got your Antonio Browns uh, who want to thrust their hips. I mean, it's it's just going to happen, and uh, I agree. It, it reminded me immediately of a school video, and I hope that if they're going to put the players through this, they do it right and make the videos as bad as the videos that you have to watch uh, for like uh, a, a driving class or the ones that you watch yes. before trying to go out and get your permit or your license. Yes, everybody, just atrocious. everybody needs to have a giant 80s mustache. Please, please do that. And they need to be on VHS tapes just because that's what the rest <laughs> of us have had to watch. 100%. Well, Spencer, if you were an NFL free agent sorting through offers and preparing to choose your next team, what factors would most influence your decision? Uh, probably most important for me would be competitive. I want to look for a team that was going to be competitive. Obviously the money would be a factor. Um, so probably those two things, maybe a coach, if somebody else had coached me, but probably, uh, you know, probably those three things. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, well, before former Arizona Cardinal safety, Tony Jefferson left to sign with the Baltimore Ravens this off season, he did just what we talked about. He looked at all the usual things a player has to contend with when choosing a new team. The money, how well he fit into the team's defensive scheme, the coaching staff, the chance to win a Super Bowl, and of course their jerseys. 
yes, he said they're jerseys. And how did Jefferson choose which team uniforms he liked the best? He used Madden, of course. Uh, NFL.com quotes Jefferson as saying, I'm a guy of swagger, so I got to check the swag at all points before I make a decision. <laughs> Just sound advice. I think we all can agree with that. I put myself in different uniforms on Madden to see what will look better. Of Baltimore's uniforms, Jefferson said, Ravens did look good, though. Black on blacks, no question. Those are their best combination. So I'm not going to lie, Spencer. I think that would be a major consideration for me, too, if I was a free agent. <laughs> I don't think I look very good in green, so I probably wouldn't want to go to a team that wears green jerseys. Um, but what about you? Uh, if you're Tony Jefferson, would you rather stay in the Cardinal red or move to the Ravens black? Uh, honestly, uh, I get, I probably would have stayed with the Cardinal red, mainly because I'm not a huge fan of purple or maybe gone out, maybe gone out and uh, talked with the uh, Atlanta Falcons black and red. But oh, I yeah. probably would have probably would have stuck with the with the the Cardinals. I think so too. I think those red uniforms are just awesome. I think they're really classy. I like the the white helmet too. They are. They're great. On past episodes of this show, I have talked about how much I love 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 the Fresno Grizzlies taco hats. Have you seen those? The Fresno yes. tacos. I want one. Me too. The Grizzlies are the AAA AAA affiliate of the Houston Astros, and for one game a year, they change their name to the Fresno Tacos. They wear amazing hats and jerseys with tacos on them. They are literally one of the greatest things I've ever seen, and I'm getting hungry just thinking about them. (laughs) Uh, Well, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, uh, another AAA team, I believe the AAA team for the Phillies, but don't quote me, um, they have a similar promotion but with bacon. And the two teams have apparently had a Twitter feud for some time now over which one is better, bacon or tacos, which seems like just an impossible question to answer. That's like the who would win, Superman or Batman question. How do you choose between bacon or tacos? But uh, anyways, now that feud has its own website. The recently launched baconversustacos.com. Fans can go on the site to vote an unlimited amount of times for their bacon or tacos play a bacon versus tacos video game, or you can tweet with the hashtags team tacos or team bacon and see your tweets displayed on the website, bacon versus tacos.com. Personally, I think the best way to end this feud would just be to put bacon on tacos and just have bacon (laughs) tacos. This way everyone wins um, except, you know, maybe your cholesterol, but uh, Fresno general manager Derek Franks has said that's not an option. Apparently for him, the only acceptable solution is complete and utter victory in favor of the tacos. So Spencer, first thing that comes to your mind, what's better, bacon or tacos? I'm sorry. Did you ask me a question? I've been busy on bacon versus tacos.com. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, honestly, uh, I could probably debate the finer points of this argument for 30 minutes, which says uh, a lot about uh, my character and also my weight. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to have to go with the original, uh, the one that I learned about first, which would probably be the tacos. But it is uh, – they're both just so good. So simplest solution would probably be exactly what you said. Look, bacon, tacos, I know you're both listening to the show because why wouldn't you be? For the good of humanity, overcome your differences, get together, give us bacon tacos, do the right thing, bacon tacos. Uh, Wednesday night brought an amazing conclusion to the World Baseball Classic as Team USA shut out Puerto Rico 8 to zip for the first ever WBC title. Blue Jays pitcher Marcus Stroman threw six no-hit innings as the USA dominated Puerto Rico in what was an incredibly fun game to watch. Uh, I watched most of it with Benson. It was a great time. 
Um, but my favorite play of the entire WBC actually happened on Monday um, in the semifinal game between the Netherlands and Puerto Rico. The Netherlands were rallying when Rangers prospect Jerickson Profar came to the plate, and this happened. Who hits a 1-0 pitch into right field. Runners at the corners with one away. Oh, yeah. Well, they've got Rosario scouted well. And then they go into first base, and Profar's out. Yadier Molina does not take anything for granted. And then what does he do? He just nonchalantly looks and says, okay, 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 gotcha. Jerickson Profar was too busy getting the dugout going, and he is out at first base. My goodness. So Profar singled to advance the runner to third, but he turns and he walks slowly back to first. He's very animated, clapping his hands, looking into the dugout, trying to fire up his guys. But Puerto Rico catcher Yadier Molina sees that he's not back on the back on the bag yet, fires a throw down and beats him by a step. And I mean Profar was so confused. Molina is jumping up and down. It was pandemonium. It was hilarious. I don't think I've ever seen anyone get thrown out uh, on the base paths while they were celebrating. Have you ever seen anything like that, Spence? I don't think so. The only thing I could maybe compare it to would be maybe, you know, a player who, you know, celebrating misses home plate on a home run and ends up Mm -hmm. being out or something like that. This was totally wild to me. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And just the reactions of all the people that you can see in the in the clip are hysterical the the first baseman the umpire who's just taking the whole thing so seriously it was it was incredible finally a story that to many of us sounds like living the dream cleveland indians pitcher carlos carrasco admitted recently in an interview that at his first spring training as a 16 year old with the phillies he ate pizza every day for 90 days Carrasco says, during my first spring training, I ate pizza every day for dinner. I'm not exaggerating. I had Domino's every single day. It was the only thing I knew how to order, so for 90 days, I ate pizza. I ordered it so much that the Domino's near our facility ended up giving me one month of free pizza as a reward for being their best customer. I don't know about you, Spencer, but I don't think it gets any better than getting paid to play baseball and eat pizza every day, unless maybe you can substitute that for bacon tacos. (laughs) I just I can't get over what that might do to your colon. I don't know how you could play baseball and get paid uh, after consistently eating pizza for 90 days straight. And I love how they reward this guy who ate (laughs) pizza for 90 days straight with another month of free pizza. You're just enabling his problem at this point. They really are. I don't know how the human body could handle it, but this man uh, deserves a medal. We're going to go to break now. Use that opportunity to go get some bacon tacos, maybe day one of your 90-day pizza diet. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Podcasts of our show can be found at our website, btgprogram.com, or on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram, at btgprogram. Coming up on Beyond the Game, we're going to do my favorite segment of the year, our annual Major League Baseball season preview. I'll give you my thoughts on each division as we go through team by team, make our postseason picks. That's all coming up next on Beyond the Game. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that could pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, 
professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call town and country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call town and country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call town and country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call town and country pest solutions today. Town and country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town and Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. And let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Is here, Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Zach Barletta here with you on this rainy Rochester Saturday, joined uh, via our studio line by my brother Spencer in Roanoke, Virginia. Spencer, are you still here? Still here, if you can hear me. Awesome. We are about to now do the segment that is probably my favorite segment that we do all year, which is our Major League Baseball season preview. Um, it's probably my favorite because I love to talk baseball, which any of you who've listened to this before you definitely know that, but also because it means that if we're talking about it, the baseball season is right around the corner. Um, Spencer, have you had a chance to watch any baseball as we're getting closer and closer to the season? I've caught a little bit here and there. I uh, haven't had much chance to sit down and watch and enjoy, um, but out at restaurants, things like that, they'll have it on in anticipation of the season coming up, and I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. All right, well, let's jump right into it. The first division we're going to look at is the National League West. The standings that I have in order for the National League West are the Dodgers in first place, the Rockies in second place, the Giants in third, the Diamondbacks in fourth, and the Padres bringing up the rear in the basement. The Dodgers, I think, not a real bold call for first place. They have Clayton Kershaw, who's the best pitcher in the known universe. They have um, a a decent staff following him with Rich Hill, Kent Julio Urias. They have a bunch of random guys that are competing for the fifth spot. They have a very balanced offense. I like that they picked up Logan Forsyth to play second base, possibly be their leadoff guy. Um, and I think we might even see a little bounce back from Yasiel Puig. Um, but I, I just I think the Dodgers are so balanced. They're so deep. They have so much money to spend, and they have some impact prospects like Cody Bellinger that are knocking on the door ready to make a contribution that – I feel like the Dodgers are pretty much a lock to win that division. The Rockies in second, they're getting a lot of publicity. I don't know that that many people would actually put them in second in contention for a wild card spot, but I just think that offense, even with um, Ian Desmond and David Dahl and Tom Murphy missing the first few weeks of the season, I think that that offense is going to be one of the best in the league. And I just think they're going to score so many runs, especially playing half their games in Coors Field. Uh, that uh, I'm very high on Colorado this year, pun definitely intended. And I think they're going to get enough pitching out of their young, hard-throwing pitching staff um, that I think this 
quietly might be the best pitching staff the Rockies have ever had. Uh, guys like John Gray, Tyler Anderson, young guys like Antonio Sensatella that are on their way up. So I'm, I'm really big on the Rockies this year. The Giants, um, they're good. Uh, I just look up and down this team, and it's a typical Giants team, and there's not a lot of players on it that you look at and you go, oh, you know, he's a difference maker, he's a difference maker, so-and-so, he's a, a cleanup hitter. Like, they just, they put these spare parts together, and it always seems to work. And the top of their rotation is very good. The back end, I have a lot of questions about. They did shore up the bullpen with Mark Melanson. Um I like the Giants. I just don't see how they get past the Dodgers and the Rockies, so I have them in third place. The Diamondbacks and Padres, you can kind of lump together. They have some nice young pieces, just not a lot of depth, and it would take a lot of things breaking right unexpectedly for them uh, for them to make any kind of a run at contention. Um, so do you have uh, anything to... Uh, to add, do you have any agreements or disagreements as far as how I've ranked the National League West? I think it would be really, uh, really easy to see this happen next year. I do think that the Dodgers are just, I mean, Kershaw is just so dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's probably realistic, and, and I like that pick a lot. Um, I don't know that I'm quite as high on the Rockies as you are. I do think that we're going to see, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. They're, like you said, they're getting the some of that publicity. Um I think that maybe you might see a switch back and forth between the Rockies and the Giants. I think a big problem that the Giants had last year, or, or one of the problems they had last year, was was the finishing of the games. And so going and getting Melanson is a big deal. I think you could easily see a flip-flop between either of those two. But I, I, I think I would like to see the Rockies be that team. Um, they've been one that I've appreciated for a while. And I think uh, overall a safe bet the way that it is. I saw something uh, earlier doing some reading that said, hey, no, really, there are actually some interesting players to watch on the Padres. Uh, not sure that anybody's going to pay attention, but maybe so. But I think it's I think it's solid in the NL West. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a prospect nerd like me, you, you like the Padres because they're stockpiling those guys. But, I mean, I think they basically have like a double-A pitching rotation right now. So I just don't see how they win more than <laughs> uh, 65 games or so. But... Uh, moving on to the National League Central, uh, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked to know that I have the Cubs winning that division, uh, followed by the Pirates, the Cardinals in third, and then the Brewers and the Reds in the basement. Uh, what do you say about the Cubs? There's not enough superlatives really to describe them. They're so good. Their lineup is so good. Their pitching is so good. Their bullpen is so good. Their manager's even pretty good. They have money to spend. They have they have prospects just seemingly in endless supply that are ready to either come up and contribute or be traded for it to fill a need. Um, the Cubs are probably the best team in all of baseball, so they're definitely the top team in the Central. Um, the Pirates I have in second, I like a lot of their young players. Guys like Josh Bell at first base, a lot of the young pitchers like Jamison Tyon that are going to be in the rotation. Um the only thing with the Pirates for me is that they never seem to make that one big move. You know, they're always hanging around. They're in the wild card spot. They're just a few games behind for the division. And you think they've got all these prospects. They could make the trade for that one difference maker to put them over the top. And they will never, ever, ever do it. Hmm. So I I could see them being in second place. I can't see them really making a serious push for first place in the division. I do like the team a lot. The Cardinals seem 
to me, sort of like the Detroit Red Wings in hockey, where they were that standby for so long. They're always, always in the playoffs. They're always contending. But eventually, they've sort of hit this this lull where they, they have a lot of useful players, but not a lot of really, really good players. Um, there's a lot of a lot of depth in their starting rotation, but a lot of question marks. Michael Waka was terrible last year. Lance Lynn was injured last year. Um, Alex Reyes was their big shot prospect that was finally ready. He just had Tommy John. They have a lot of useful parts, but I I just don't see a lot of difference makers on this Cardinals team. So I have them slipping to third place. The Brewers, I think, may not be good. They will be fun. They have a lot of impact prospects, especially outfield prospects that are knocking on the door and will be up, I think, by the All-Star break. Um, they still do have Ryan Braun. They have some interesting young pitchers. Um, so I see them finishing in fourth place. The Reds are not as far along in their rebuild as the Brewers are, I don't think. They have some, they have Joey Votto, they have some exciting youngsters, um, like Jose Peraza, who's going to play shortstop, Jesse Winker, who's an outfield, who's outfielder, who's just about ready. They have some good young pitchers, but they, uh, they haven't really figured out, I think, which of those pitchers are part of the long-term plan and which aren't. So, while the Brewers and Reds might be entertaining, I don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, how do you see the Central? Do you see much difference than what I had? Honestly, this is exactly how I see the NL Central. The Cubs are the Cubs, um, and I'm in agreement. I think there are there are some people down Bleacher Report and some others down on the Pirates this year. I just don't see Andrew McCutcheon having the the same down year that he had last year. He's getting older, but I see him uh, making a, at least a little bit more of a comeback, adding to that offense. And uh, so I do see them as a contender and belonging in that number two spot. The Cardinals, Brewers, and Reds, you can kind of jostle back and forth a little bit, but that's how I see it as well. I think that's probably the best description I've heard of the Cubs. The Cubs are the Cubs. You don't have to say anything. Everybody (laughs) knows at this point. Um, Moving on to the National League East. I have the Nationals in first place, um, the Mets in second place, the Braves I have moving up to third, the Marlins dropping down to fourth, the Phillies bringing up the rear. Um, I think I've said it before on this show, and probably recently I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan. I think that the data shows that he was injured last year. His swing changed as a result. He seems to be healthy. He is hitting the snot out of the ball in spring training. Uh, I think we're going to see another MVP-type year from him this year. I think he bounces back to the insane level of production that he put up in 2015. I also, I mean, the pitching staff with with Scherzer and Strasburg at the top, it's tough to bet against a one-two punch like that. Um, The bullpen I like. Nobody really knows about Coda Glover. Um, He's a rookie who's probably going to be their closer, and he is dynamic. He's got a high 90s fastball, a good slider. Seems like every time he comes into a game in spring training, all he does is just strike out the side. Um, I'm really high on him. I like the Nationals a lot. They're another team that doesn't really have an obvious weakness. Um, they got Daniel Murphy, who hit like 350 last year. Uh, Trey Turner at shortstop, who's just an exciting, exciting young player. Probably going to be the rookie of the year this year. So the Nationals, I love. Um, the Mets in second. They had a down year last year, mostly because their pitching couldn't stay healthy. Uh, I think if even half of that pitching staff can stay healthy for this season, uh, and after re-signing Yoenis Cespedes, uh, I think that they are good enough to come in second in the division, be a force uh, fighting for the wild card. Um, The Braves, I think, are another team that might not be great, but they're going to at least be fun. They have some young guys. Dansby Swanson taking over as the franchise shortstop. Ozzie Albies is going to come up at some point 
and play uh, second base. Um, he's an exciting, exciting young player. He's only 19. He might be 20 by the time he comes up, but he's exciting. Um, a lot of young arms getting ready to come up. Uh, and they've added enough veterans that I think they'll be competitive. They'll be in games. They certainly won't be the team that you... Um, when you're playing daily fantasy, you just start the pitcher that's facing the Braves. I don't think you'll be able to do that anymore. Uh, the Marlins, um, you know, not by any faults of their own. They don't have Jose Fernandez anymore. That is a big step back. Um, Giancarlo Stanton, as much as I love him, I don't, I don't know at this point if we'll ever see a fully healthy season from him and the rest of that team. While there are some players that I really, really like, like Christian Yelich, who we saw featured in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. Um, while they have some players like him uh, and, and their other outfielder, Marcelo Zuna, that I really do like, I just don't think there's enough there to keep them from dropping into fourth place. Um, the Phillies are similar to where I see the Braves and that they're on their way up. And in three to four years, they're going to be very, very good and very, very fun. Um, but I just think they're not far enough into that rebuild, um, that they're going to be serious contenders for anything, but last or maybe fourth place. So I have them in the basement. Uh, what are your thoughts, Spencer, on the national league East? Then at least uh, the biggest shock to me, Zach, is that you wouldn't rank the Braves uh, higher after the, uh, Big-time acquisition of BTG favorite Bartolo Colon. <laughs> I forgot that they had Bart in the rotation now. <laughs> and a slugger, too, both sides of the ball. Uh, no, uh, that's pretty much how I see it as well. I think um, I'm a little bit a little bit maybe higher on the Phillies. Um, they, they seem to flex in and out of being contenders or not. You mentioned the rebuild. Uh, I do think, um, you know, there were really uh, – Odebel Herrera and Cesar Hernandez were really – um, kind of the I, I heard it as the only two worth a darn in the lineup last year. But they've added, <laughs> they've added in a couple of players, uh, Howie Kendrick, Michael Saunders, um, and I think that we're going to see them be a little bit better. So you mentioned them maybe being, maybe sneaking into fourth or you know uh, maybe a tad higher. I think I see them as a as a little bit better than maybe ranking there in the end. But I uh, I think we're going to probably continue to agree with these powerhouse teams that are going to rank in first. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a path there for the Phillies to make it into fourth or maybe even third in this division. I just, uh, I think a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. So it could happen, but I don't think it's very likely that it happens. Um, but I do think I'm going to watch more Phillies games than I did last year. Cause I do think they will be more entertaining <laughs> to watch. Most uh, definitely. So to recap the National League uh, division winners, I have the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Nationals. I've picked the Rockies and the Mets as the wild card teams. Uh, we are going to take a break. We'll come right back with the American League. This is Beyond the Game. This is the Red Hawks Report for this week, March 25th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The women's basketball team finished a fine season by defeating Mid-America Christian University on Saturday, 92-76. The win gave the Red Hawks third place in the National Christian College National Championships. Freshman Emily Miller had a double-double, 27 points and 13 rebounds, and Taya Andrews, another freshman, scored 17 for Roberts. In other action, the women's lacrosse team capped off a perfect weekend by beating the University of the District of Columbia 22-4 on Sunday, a day after they had defeated Georgian Court University 17-7. 
freshman Jessica Giancursio has been named the East Coast Conference Women's Lacrosse Rookie of the Week, recording nine goals and five assists during a week which saw the Red Hawks win three straight games, improving their record to 5-3 and three overall. On the men's side, they dropped a tough one last Saturday to the New York Institute of Technology, 15-11. to 11. Both the men's and women's tennis teams dropped matches last Saturday at Mercyhurst College. The ladies fell 9-0, while the men dropped 6-3. In the week ahead, you'll have two opportunities to catch the women's lacrosse team in action at home. On Wednesday the 29th, they will host Lake Erie College at 4 p.m. and turn around and take on Tiffin University on Friday, March 31st, that being a 6 p.m. start. The men's lacrosse team will be home again next Saturday, the 1st of April, hosting the Griffins of Seton Hill University, that being at 1 p.m. That'll do it for the Red Hawks Report for this week, March 25th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report is, as always, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. And remember, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Red Hawks. That's at RWC Red Hawks. Or visit their website, athletics.roberts.edu. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. I'm Zach Barletta, filling in for Benson this week. Filling in for me this week is my brother Spencer on the studio line from Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, in case you missed it, we just went through and made our... our uh, Major League Baseball predictions for the National League for the season. So now we're going to go through the American League. Spencer, let's start in the AL West. I don't think it's any secret for anyone that's been listening to this show uh, for the last couple of months that I'm a big fan of the Houston Astros. I have them finishing in first place in the West, followed closely by the Texas Rangers. I think, uh, honestly, I think that the path to the World Series for the American League is probably going to go through the state of Texas in some form. Uh, in third place, I have the Seattle Mariners, the busiest team of the offseason. They made something like 30 trades since the end of last season. Um, the Anaheim or Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in fourth place. And bringing up the rear, I have the Oakland A's, who I never really know what to make of them because of all the, the curious moves that they make. But that order, again, is Astros, Rangers, Mariners, A- Mariners Angels, and A's. The Astros were already a very, very good young team with a, with an elite young core and prospects on the way. Then they went out and they added uh, some veterans like Carlos Beltran and Brian McCann. They signed um, some inexpensive pitchers like Charlie Morton. Um, I don't know that the pitching is going to be all that great. They don't have a lot of really hard throwers outside of Lance McCullers, who can't ever seem to stay healthy. But that offense is going to be fantastic. Their defense is pretty good. And uh, I just I, I see them slugging their way to first place in the division. Um, in second place, the Rangers. You really could flip-flop these two teams because the Rangers are so stocked with talent as well. Um, and they actually do have some starting pitching with you Darvish and Cole Hamels at the top of that rotation. The rest of the rotation is pretty sketchy, but those two at the top are solid. 
Yu uh, Darvish is probably my pick to win the American League Cy Young this year. I like him a ton this season. Um, that lineup from top to bottom is a good blend of speed and power, um, and and it's a great ballpark to hit in. So the Astros and the Rangers I have is one two. You could flip them, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. The Mariners have been busy. They've made themselves a much better team. I just don't think that they're on the same playing field as those two teams from the state of Texas. Uh, but the Mariners also a good blend of speed and power. I like that they added John Segura at shortstop from Arizona. Um, I'm a big James Paxton fan in that starting rotation. If he could just stay healthy and give you a full season worth of starts. He throws very, very hard, is left-handed, uh, sort of figured things out last year. Um, I like the Mariners. Again, I just don't think that they're able to contend with those two teams from Texas at this point. The Angels, I don't think, will be the complete train wreck that they were last year. Um, I mean, For most of last season, it was like Mike Trout plus a bunch of AAA scrubs. Um, <laughs> and there's still a bunch of AAA scrubs, but they've added some quality um, some quality pieces, ancillary pieces like Cameron Mabin and Ben Revere for the outfield. They'll have C.J. Crone healthy to play first base. Um, if he can't go, they've added Luis Valbuena, who's a good power-hitting corner infielder. So they actually aren't going to be a dumpster fire. I don't think they're going to be good, but they won't be a dumpster fire. They do still, of course, have Albert Pujols. Um, and remember the Angels early in the season, it seemed like just about every starting pitcher they had went out for Tommy John surgery or a year-long recovery to help them avoid Tommy John surgery. So they'll also have better pitching this season. The A's, as I mentioned, I never know what to make of them. You know, there's so many seasons that you predict them for last and somehow they win the division and go to the playoffs. The Billy Bean magic every so often still works just a little bit. Um, looking at that roster, they look like a last place team. But, I mean, you never know. They always look like a last place team. In the money ball years, they look like a last place team and they won a lot of games. So who knows? Um, I, I There's a lot of questions in the rotation. There's a lot of questions in the lineup. There are some young players that I like, like Ryan Healy, the corner infielder, Jarrell Cotton, who's going to be in the starting rotation. There are players to like there. I just don't think there's enough of them. So I have the A's in last place. Do you, uh, Spencer, would you agree with the rankings that I've got? Again, I think they're they're relatively consistent with what I have. This was one of the most interesting divisions to me. Uh, I read some interesting things uh, studying up on uh, you know, some preseason predictions. Some really neat things like the Astros, somebody... I believe it was Sports Illustrated back in 2014 predicted this is the year that the Astros will win the World Series. And yeah. what, was a, what was kind of a laughable thing at that time. And now you look at them and they're a powerhouse team. Um, I found out that the Rangers had kind of an interesting stat in that they won more games, if I'm reading correctly, than anyone else in the league by one run. So I'm starting to think we might see some regression there, which might knock them maybe more into a third place. I think the Mariners might be a little bit more of a contender than people think. Um, Ooh, that's a hot take, Spencer. I I was really intrigued by that, and I thought you would appreciate that as the analytics guy. And so I think you know, with with a little bit of regression, we might see some flip flop back there. Other than that, I think it could easily show up like this. I read uh, <laughs> that the Oakland A's. Uh, one sports writer commented they were, and I quote, uh, an amorphous blob of a team with mysterious intentions. Uh, so <laughs> That sounds more suited for our other show than this one. It does. I, I agree. So I'm going to leave them in last place, and I'm going to say that the AL West could easily look exactly like this, or maybe the Mariners might sneak in and surprise some people. 
I like it. I like the hot take. That's a bold call, and you're sticking with it. I like that. Moving on to the AL Central, I, I've got the uh, the reigning AL champion Indians in first place. I don't think that's going to shock anybody. Uh, I've got the Tigers in second place, and the Tigers were a tough team to pick because while they have more talent than in, anyone in the division besides the Indians, they also could be really bad, and those guys could all be traded by the end of July, and then they could be completely in the tank. So it's tough to gauge. I'm just going to go based on the talent that's on the team now that they're in second place. The Royals in third place, the White Sox in fourth, and the Twins, who you reminded me off air, I actually had forgotten existed because they're so <laughs> bad in the last place. Uh, Spencer, would you change any of that order at all? I don't think so. Uh I think that's ex- actually exactly how I would line things up, um, and so nothing to add. The Indians, I just, I mean, that's another team like the Cubs. You know, it's not a coincidence that they met in the World Series because they're both so balanced and so deep. They have great hitting, they have great defense, they have great pitching. The Indians rode to the World Series with some of their better starting pitchers injured. Uh, I think Danny Salazar was back, but he was only available out of the bullpen. They weren't able to get him stretched out in time. Um, and then they went and replaced Mike Napoli with Edwin Encarnacion. So they brought back almost the same team with an, a power upgrade at first base. They got, uh, I think, only 39 at-bats all season from Michael Brantley, who's an all-star outfielder. He is healthy. He's hitting well in spring training. So you could see a team that went to the World Series coming back much improved. So I think look out for the Indians. They're the easy choice for first place. The Tigers, as I mentioned, um, a lot of good but aging players on that team. Um, they made a run for it every year because Mike Illich wanted to win a World Series before he died. He did, unfortunately, pass away just recently. Um, so I could see if you know they're just out of it you know, a third of the way, halfway through the season, I could see them trading off some of those pieces and just sort of fading in the standings. Um, I could also see them giving the Indians a run for it. So, you know, it's, it's hard to peg the Tigers. The Royals... Um, it's their last hurrah with this roster before they lose everybody to free agency or trades and have to start the process over. Um, there's a lot to like about that Royals team. I just don't see them overcoming the Tigers and the Indians. The White Sox, as everybody knows, just blew it up over the offseason. They brought in just a tremendous haul of young talent. They're going to be very good very soon, but not this year. Uh, they're going to be in fourth place. The Twins, as I've said on this show before, Every time that they have a talented young player, and they have lots of them, they seem to find a way to ruin them. Um, I do like some of the players that they have, but they seem to just be a factory for useful spare parts and bad starting pitching. So uh, I don't see the Twins challenging anybody in this division. I think they're pretty much a lock for last place. Moving on to the American League East. Last but not least, it's the East. I have the Red Sox in first place. This may be a homer pick. Uh, but it's worked out for me so far. I've got the Yankees in second place, the Blue Jays falling to third, the Orioles in fourth, and the Rays in last place. This is an interesting division because so many of these teams could easily flip-flop with other teams, and nobody would really be shocked. Um, People do seem to be writing off the Yankees uh, because they were sellers last year, but I think a lot of the young talent that they've got is ready to contribute now or will be very soon. Um, and I think some of the veterans on this team, namely in the outfield, guys like Ellsbury and Gardner, are going to be pushed for their jobs very soon, uh, which I think can only be good 
for the state of the team. Um, so I do like the Yankees to sort of surprise everyone. And going back through recent history, the teams that have done the rebuild, blow it up, trade your expensive guys, get the top premium young prospects. The Cubs and the Astros are the examples that come to mind, and they each contended a year earlier than everyone expected. The Yankees could be on that schedule, and this year I'm not predicting them to go deep into the playoffs or anything, but I think they could snag a wild card spot if things bounce right for them. The Red Sox in first place, I think, is an easy one and probably pretty unanimous among the experts that are making their picks this time of year. Um, it does worry me that David Price has what James Andrews called a quote-unquote unique elbow that he had some extreme pain in. Uh, they said he doesn't need surgery, he just needed a few weeks of rest, but we've heard that story before and it usually ends with surgery. So not very big on David Price this year. The Chris Sale trade proved to be a, bless- a blessing in disguise because they still have that big left-handed ace, even if David Price can't go to start the season. The rest of the rotation behind them is a little bit suspect. They have traded away a lot of their top prospects, which is what uh, their GM, Dave Dombrowski, that's what he's done everywhere he's been. He trades prospects, uses them as currency to get shiny new toys. Um, the Red Sox this time there has been no different. Uh, the lineup is very good. Uh, their homegrown young players are fantastic. It's actually hard for me as a Yankee fan to hate the Red Sox anymore, as strange as that sounds, because a lot of their young players are just so much fun to watch, and they're just so good. Um, so the Red Sox, even if David Price can't give them a full season, they're my pick for first place, Yankees for second. The Blue Jays, I said a couple weeks ago, People are writing their obituary a little too soon. Uh, they did bring back Jose Batista, and while they lost Edwin Encarnacion to Cleveland, Kendris Morales was a great signing to replace him. He's a great fit for this team in this ballpark, and I think he's going to give them 80 to 90% of what Encarnacion gave them. Um, they have good young pitching um, with Aaron Sanchez. Marcus Stroman, who we saw this week in the WBC, pitched the game of his life. So I do like the Blue Jays. I just think that their window is not closed, but it is closing. So I have them dropping to third. The Orioles in fourth, they're going to hit enough to win the division. I just don't think that the pitching is there. There are some good young pitchers that I like, like Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy. They've, But they have both had some injury concerns. Um, there's no guarantee that you get a full season from those guys. Um, so I like the Orioles to score a lot of runs, but I like them to give up a lot of runs too, which is why I think they're in fourth. The Rays are sort of like the A's in that you never know what to expect. They're always going to pitch well. They're always going to play great defense, but you never know how many runs they're going to score, and I think that might be their Achilles heel again. Um, The Rays are probably going to be trading away some of those pitchers again this season, so the Rays, I think, are as likely as anyone in this division to finish last. So, Spencer, what say you? This is another one where we're going to end up agreeing and making lame radio, but that we've also agreed on the fact that a lot of things could could be shifty i was curious to think curious to hear what you think would be the result should david price actually end up injuring himself or maybe having to uh to undergo a surgery midway or partway through the season what do you think that does to the red sox placement if he does have to go under the knife and miss the season i think that you could see them potentially maybe still win the division but certainly not run away with it i think that would make things a lot closer um because the rest of that rotation after those top two guys is not great. Rick Porcello did win the American League Cy Young last year. Um, He was the beneficiary of some crazy luck. I actually heard a stat this week 
that when the other four starters in the Red Sox rotation pitched, the team scored them something like four and a half runs per game. And for whatever reason, when Porcello pitched, they scored him something like seven runs of run support per game. Um, He's a good pitcher. He gets ground balls. He gets just enough strikeouts. But, I mean, basically the stars all aligned for him last year. I expect a step back this year. Um, He's not the number two starter that a lot of people would believe that he is. Behind them, uh, there's a lot of guys who I consider to be just guys. Uh, Drew Pomeranz is pretty good, but he's never given you a full inning of starts. He had some injury concerns last year and also some performance that just wasn't very good last year after the trade over from San Diego. Um, the Red Sox are going to score runs. We know they're going to score runs. I am interested to see how that lineup functions without David Ortiz in the middle of it, but I think they're going to be just fine. They have too much skill uh, not to be... Um, Again, my concern would just be the pitching rotation. I do also have them at the top of the division. Uh, I do have the the Yankees as maybe a dark horse surprise for those who are are not into what's going on there or not knowing necessarily what's going on with the with the young Yankees. I don't think the Blue Jays stand that much of a chance of a whole lot of, of regression. The Orioles, another interesting stat for you, I read, I think have scored the most runs in the uh, AL, or excuse me, maybe won the most games in AL since 2012. So they, they always end up kind of hold, kind of sneaking in, end up ending up somewhere um, maybe a little higher than you might put them. So I think you could see them maybe surprise a few and, and come out of nowhere. But in the end, I think this AL East is, is short up pretty well on the list here. All right. For my American League uh, playoff teams, obviously the division winners, the Astros, Indians, and Red Sox. For the two wildcard teams, I have the Texas Rangers and the New York Yankees. I think the Yankees probably lose in that wildcard game and don't go very far in the playoffs. But I do think that if things break right, they could be that wildcard team. My World Series prediction, I have the Cubs beating the Astros. Spencer, do you have anything different? I see either Cubs-Astros or or possibly Dodgers-Astros. Ooh, that would be a fun one too. It definitely would. All right, you're listening to Beyond the Game. We're going to take one more break. We'll talk to you on the other side. Thanks for joining us. This is Beyond the Game. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Thank you for spending some time with us on this Saturday morning. Beyond the Game can be found online at btgprogram.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram and Twitter at btgprogram. Spencer, something that you and I spend a lot of time talking about um, 
and text messages and things like that is the upcoming NFL draft for the Buffalo Bills. Um, You're a big Bills fan, even though you don't live locally in the area anymore. And we've been talking about who we would like to see the Bills target in the upcoming draft. And I think we both agreed on the same player. Am I right? I believe we, yes, we have. And that player is Western Michigan wide receiver Corey Davis. Can you describe why we like Corey Davis and why he's a good fit for the Bills? The Bills have needed someone opposite Sammy Watkins now for a while. They've had positions filled in by Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin. And um, with Sammy Watkins being gone, you really can't complain about the way that they performed last year. Um, they're not all-stars or standouts, but they were they were competitive and kept us in some of the games, won some of the games that maybe people even thought that we shouldn't yeah. have won. But they're not they're not a threat that's enough to pull someone off of Sammy Watkins on the outside uh, to open him up a little bit. They're not a threat necessarily in the red zone. And so Corey Davis is an enormous man. He has a, a ton of talent, very large, physical wide receiver. He's he's defined uh, by a lot of the scouts as having advanced route running ability. He uh, he's kind of ahead of his uh, ahead of his game and some of the other guys who compete with him and, and are in this class like Mike Williams in that particular area. He shows an incredible work ethic. Character comes from a, a tough background. And I think he's just the kind of player that you can't ignore in the red zone. You can't ignore when you're the defense. And so they're going to have to pull people off of Sammy Watkins, which will in turn be good for both of them. Uh, he's not Brandon Marshall yet, but he's he's drawing comparisons to Brandon Marshall. I'm talking about Corey Davis still. And so I think that uh, it's one of those situations where you'll see it be good for both players to have someone to force the defense to wonder who might get it next. Absolutely. And and one of the concerns that I have had, one of the reasons I really want to see them take a game-breaking wide receiver to pair with Sammy Watkins is that we've seen games, and I can't remember now which game it was, I think it was early in the season, where Sammy Watkins was not targeted in the game at all because the other team just rolled double to triple coverage on him on every play and Tyrod Taylor just decided I'm not messing with that I'm not throwing the ball in there and so the Bills best offensive weapon was completely neutralized because the Bills didn't want to throw him the football and I think they've needed that weapon to pair with him that a defense has to plan for and they can't just roll double coverage if you're going to roll double triple coverage on Sammy Watkins all day Corey Davis is going to destroy you and I just I I am like you I'm very excited at the prospect of seeing him in a Bills jersey seeing the two of them run down the sidelines you have a quarterback in Tyrod Taylor who uh well yeah he's a good running quarterback but one of the sort of underrated strengths of his game is he is a great down the sideline passer we've seen him develop rapport with Sammy Watkins and even with Marquise Goodwin and be able to drop a ball sort of right in the breadbasket down the sideline and I think having another receiver in Corey Davis who could who could make that play would be really big for the Bills um the fact that he has great after the catch ability uh the ability to to out jump a, a defensive back or box them out um also the way that he is able to maneuver his body while he's catching the football to make the first defender miss, I think is elite. And um, like you, I would be really excited to see him in a Bills uniform. And if the Bills are able to go with a wide receiver in the first, I think they probably go cornerback in the second round. I think that's probably um, another area that they would need to get some depth. Um, Is that something you could see them doing? 
It is. It's nice that this draft, for those of you who have been following along with the information coming out about the draft, is so defensive. The Bills obviously have many holes to fill on the defense, especially after Stefan Gilmore decided to uh, head to New England. He will not be welcome back, I can't imagine, with uh, with any kind of excitement when he comes back to Buffalo. <laughs> well, there will be excitement. I just don't think it will be positive. <laughs> not, the, not the kind he's looking for. But there's a very defensive draft. It wouldn't surprise me to see them maybe even make some moves. It's something that I've been saying. I would, I'd be interested to see if a trade would be possible for another first-round pick or second-round pick because the contract that they've given Tyrod Taylor is a short one and indicates that he might not be a bill for that much longer. I'm curious to see, could we see them sneak a quarterback off the end of the first or, or in the second? But my personal opinion, if I'm the GM, is I take I start taking uh, elite defense in the second round. Uh, there's not much offensive line there to take probably in the second round. And so I would agree cornerback safety is probably a big need there. I like it. I like it. If you can come away from the first two rounds with uh, uh, a starting wide receiver and a starting cornerback, I think this team is in very good shape. All right, Spencer, before we sign off, we got one more thing to do. We like to, at the end of every show, go through and highlight somebody in the world of sports that's done something positive, something noteworthy, something that we like to see. We call that our You Like That for the week. So, Spencer, I'll go ahead and go first. My You Like That this week was Team USA winning the World Baseball Classic by, as we mentioned, shutting out Puerto Rico 8 to nothing on Wednesday night. It was the first World Baseball Classic title for Team USA. It was a fun game. It was an entertaining game. Uh, there was a... a Despite the uh, aforementioned sort of lack of energy and passion by Team USA, there were some showed on Wednesday night. It was fun to see. So Team USA winning the World Baseball Classic was what I liked this week. What I liked this week was a a stranger who helped Oakland uh, native and Bay Area man Ron Reeser. Gentleman had run out of gas and was on the side of the road when a U uh, excuse me an SUV. Uh, stopped by, asked the man if he needed anything. He explained that he had run out of gas. And so this man took Ron Reeser down to a gas station. He gets on and come back. Along the way, they were discussing what they did. It was a profession. And the guy said, well, I play football. And after asking some questions, the Mr. Reeser had asked this gentleman who his favorite team was, and he said, I would have to go with the Oakland Raiders. That's who I play for. When the gentleman asked what position he played, Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders, uh, described who he was and what he did for a living and wasn't planning to uh, to tell them even who he was all along the way. The, he then shared his information with Mr. Reeser. They've been going back and forth on Twitter since, and uh, Mr. Reeser has gone on to say that he's changed uh, – Derek Carr has changed the way that he views people and the way that he views God. They've gone back and forth on Twitter a few times. So doing a really awesome and outstanding thing and continuing to keep his testimony was Derek Carr. He's who I like this week. All right. I like it. I like it. Thank you so much for joining us once again on Beyond the Game. As I've mentioned before, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BTG Program. We are listener supported. If you want to make a donation, buy some of our awesome merch, you can go to the website and do that as well. For Spencer, I'm Zach Barletta. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week, everybody. 